the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God and the strength that he supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Varnum. Uh, I was the pastor of outreach and discipleship here a long time ago. <laughs> it does feel like a long time ago. Um, uh, from 2012 until 2016. So um, I left to go back uh, to, New, uh, to the East Coast. I pastored in New England for three years, and now I am uh, working uh, near my family in upstate New York and uh, helping out the church that I, I attend uh, there. So last week I got to preach this message and, and practice, so this week uh, it should be flawless, right? Uh, anyhow, well, welcome. How y'all doing? That was horrible. <laughs> did, did y'all have a good week? Yeah. You can be truthful if you didn't. <laughs> it's okay. This is a safe space. This morning, uh, we want to talk about in a safe space that we are not perfect people and that we need to be reminded about the things God has for us. That we need to be reminded that we are stewards of all that God has given us. Last week, uh, Brother Chris uh, talked about becoming disciples of Christ, and this furthers our idea of that, that God is not just looking for us uh, to be believers, but that he's looking for us to be active disciples, people who are actually intentionally living all of life in every single way to his glory. It goes along with the idea of quorum Deo, which is a Latin phrase that means to intentionally live all of life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, by the grace of God, for the, for the glory of God. This morning, we're going to talk about stewardship. The idea of stewardship is this, fulfilling the responsibility of caring for and cultivating the life given to us by God through actively using his gifts of grace for his divine purpose to his ultimate glory. It's a mouthful, isn't it? I came up with it and it was still a mouthful. Uh, in 1 Peter 4, Peter has already talked about what it means to be disciples of Christ and how we are intentionally choosing to follow Jesus. That we are intentionally choosing to not live according to society's standards. That we are choosing to live according to God's standards, according to his word. 
And this morning, we want to look at the next section, starting in verse 7, because Peter is building on this. It's a buildup. And he says, because we are choosing to, uh, that because we've been called to live as disciples of Christ, because we've been called to follow him in every way, here's an added bonus. The end of all things is near. And it's at hand. And guys, this is close to 2,000 years ago that he wrote this. In the next 15 years, we'll be at the 2,000-year mark, all right? But the reality is, if he thought almost 2,000 years ago that the end of things was at hand, how much more should we believe that? How much more should we believe that Jesus is going to return, that Jesus is going to come and he's going to judge the living and the dead, that he is going to hold us accountable? But not always in a negative way, he's also going to reward us for doing what he has asked us to do. So the way we want to start this is to think of it this way. The end is near. Therefore, steward God's gifts. It's like verses 7 through 9. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, right now, we're just going to be honest here, the church is in a lot of unknowns. Trying to figure out where God is leading and how God is leading. Trying to look at the path that he has before us and to walk in it with courage and with intentionality. So when Peter is challenging us right now to steward God's gifts, guys, that doesn't change just because the way we do church changes. Do you hear me on that? The, the job, the calling, the message, none of those change. It's still there. Even if... We're not in a building, even if um, we're not in a, what, we, what we've come to known as the American version of what the church looks like or the Western version of the church. We're still called to be together. We're still called to talk about Jesus. We're still called to build each other up and to be the people of God. So how do we steward God's gifts? Well, firstly, let's look at what Peter says here. We prioritize prayer. So looking at right here, the end of all things is, is near, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded. We're living in these last days, um, and guys, let's just face it, it's easy to be led astray, isn't it? We are a distracted people. We, we have these great things that are a result of technology. So we have the world at our fingertips, and yet, with the world at our fingertips, we're one of the most depressed and suicidal people in the world. Why? Because the focus has been taken away from what is real, what is good, what is godly, namely the God, the God of our, our lives. 
So when Peter is pushing us to prioritize prayer, he's basically saying, I want you to prioritize your relationship with Christ. And I also want you to understand, guys, he's not just talking about you individually. He's talking about the body. He's talking about people being together and praying together and pushing each other toward Jesus, focusing each other on Jesus. Be sober-minded and self-controlled, all right? I want you to actually pay attention, and I want you to look at one another with sound judgment. I want you to look at one another with compassion. I want you to look at each other in God's reality, not society's reality. So when Peter is challenging us to prioritize prayer, it's not merely just to offer up our wish list to God, but rather that we would be transformed by spending time in the presence of the living God together. He's saying it's important for us to pray separately. Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 6. Saying, don't be like the hypocrites who stand out on the sidewalks and want everybody to see how holy they are. But rather, be the person who can go into your room and pray to Jesus and be recognized by him, not by society. So staying focused on Jesus through prayer and the word means us coming together and praying together and reading the word together. Churches should not spend more time on announcements than they do on hearing the word of God. We should not have longer discussions about what the draperies will look like than the discussions we have about what Christ is challenging us to and how we can build each other up. And here's what I'm going to challenge us to. Intentionally schedule specific times in the day to reconnect with Christ. Intentionally schedule, and I know that's the S word nobody likes. You know, it's the bad S word and not the other S word that everybody says is the bad S word, okay? Schedule. I promise you, if you schedule things, you're not being unspiritual. Jesus, is, Jesus himself said that we should actually do these kind of things. Count the cost. Pay attention to what you're doing. Can you actually finish what you've started? Those kind of things. How do you know if that happens? Well, that means you have to sit down and figure it out, all right? So I challenge us to pray. I challenge us corporately to have specific times where we come together, and not just as the big body, but uh, and as we're going to hit later on with hospitality, invite people into your houses with the, with the purpose of we're going to hang out, but we're going to pray. We're going to enjoy each other's company, but we're also going to challenge each other with Jesus. Something fell off. We'll put that over here. All right. So you understand, guys, there is too much going on in the world for us to neglect our relationship with Christ. There's just too much going on. From wars to economic collapse, 
to ridiculous political slants to whatever's going on in the television, which is a lot. Everything wants our attention. And guys, we have to be intentional about prayer. Secondly, let's participate in loving relationships. I want you to hear this one. Well, I want you to hear all of them, but, um, you know. (laughs) Excuse me. Verse 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. How does a body grow together? They choose to love one another. And I want you to notice the operative word in there, choose. We can say we love each other and be lying straight to each other's face, because that happens a lot. I love you. Will you help me? No. I love you. Will you pray for me? Sure. No. A buddy of mine was um, telling me how uh, he was challenged with uh, teaching Sunday school at a church in Texas. And uh, the Sunday school director asked him, he's like, would you, would you, um, we, we think you would be great to teach this class. He was like, and it was seventh and eighth grade boys. And he wanted to do like that like he wanted to chew glass. But um, he, he, he said, I'll pray about that. And uh, then he walked away. His wife came up later and said, so um, Sunday school director said uh, you were thinking about that. He, he, she said you were praying about it. He's like, oh, don't be stupid. You know when I say I will, I'll pray about that, it means no. <laughs> He's not lying. <laughs> All right? Participate in loving relationships. Um, Intentionally, earnestly choose to love people. Guys, by doing this, what we're saying is I I am choosing to overlook or work through my shortcomings and your shortcomings. Because we all have them. All right? So in these final days, we cannot, we cannot afford to push each other away. Everybody's already too lonely right now. Do you know that's like the number one thing, especially amongst men over the age of 30, the number one cause of depression, loneliness. It's true. You can actually look up that statistic. More and more people are trying to find connection through the technology and not finding it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have lost the ability to have simple conversations. We have lost the ability to just walk up to people and say, hey, how are you doing? Without acting weird and like we want something. And honestly, we do want something. We want to connect. It is why the pornography industry is soaring because so many people are turning to the pornography for some kind of connection because they want to feel like they can feel. It's not that they want to be perverts. It's that they want to connect. It's why prostitution is up. 
It's why things like Tinder and Grindr, that is not a sandwich app, just FYI. <laughs> Don't ask how I know that. <laughs> that was awful, all right? They're, people are looking for connection. Church, this should be the place where we find connection. This should be the safe place. This should be the place where everybody can, can say things in a safe area. But do we? No. Because in the past, we felt like the church isn't there to help us. It's there to eat us, to devour us. And we don't want that to be so. So the opposite of that is choose to love. Choose to understand. Choose to forgive. Love overlooks a multitude of sins. It's when we all come together and realize I'm messed up and you're messed up. And if we're both messed up, then neither one is perfect, so we should be able to meet halfway. We're all broken. Walk into the relationship knowing that. Okay? Thirdly, practice genuine hospitality. Why is this important? It's important because we are inviting people into our lives. Look at what he says in verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Who are my hospitality people here? You love people in your house. You love to have a little soiree. There's one. There's two. There's three. Wow. We got work on this one. <laughs> okay, so I have three hospitality cheerleaders. There's one more right here because this one is the party queen. All right? Jan, Jan Wiley can throw a party. And you would almost think the queen was about to show up, you know, because that's how nice it is. <laughs> when I throw a party, it's lucky if it's, you know, red solo cups and paper plates. And Jan's on the nice fine china. Uh, and she has food that's worthy to go on the nice fine china. <laughs> Hospitality is a big deal because when you invite people into your homes, you're inviting them into your life. In church, we need to invite people into our lives. If you want people to come to church, invite them to your home. If you want people to see that the body is worthwhile, invite them to your home. It's not just about inviting them to a church service. Invite them to share a meal. Invite them to share a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, a lemonade, a bourbon. I don't care, all right? Yes, it's okay to drink bourbon as long as you're not an alcoholic, all right? Make sure your guest isn't an alcoholic too, though. Don't be that person, all right? Love people. Invite them in and show them. Did you know in the Middle East, for the ancient Near East, um, they had this thing called the law of hospitality? It's actually still in, in play in certain areas, 
when you invited someone into your home, you were taking complete um, responsibility for their well-being. So that anything that happened in, their, in your home for them was to make sure that they were taken care of, that they were safe, and that they were fed, okay? That's why if you're in um, someplace like Iraq or Jordan, you have to be careful about what you praise. Like if you walk, like here, if I walk into Gordon's house and I see his clock collection, I don't know if he's got one, but I'm just going to say he does, okay? He's got a clock collection. I say, wow, that one is really cool. In the Middle East, they might actually give it to you. So be careful about how you do that, all right? But it's because they want you to feel at home. They want you to feel like you are part of the family. I had a buddy that was in, uh, he was having dinner at, in Jordan. We were all over there. But um, he finished his food first. And his host was sitting right next to him. He looked over. He had half a chicken in his bowl. Jordan had no chicken left in his bowl. And he saw this man's thought process. He looked in Jordan's bowl, nothing. Looked in his bowl, half a chicken. Looked in Jordan's bowl, empty. Looked in his, he rips his chicken in half and throws it in Jordan's bowl and like, eat it. You know? <laughs> Why? Because he was his guest. I'm not saying you got to be that extreme. <laughs> but what I am saying is invite people into your house. The early church met in homes. They met in the marketplace. They met at the temple. They fellowshiped. They commuted. They had this thing called community. COVID-19 and the shutdown of America. I don't know if you've noticed. It still doesn't feel like we're, we're open again. It feels like businesses might be open, but people are not. It's time to open up again. As my boss once told me while I was working at um, Home Depot, he was like, we've got to go from get the blank out of my store to welcome to Home Depot. We're glad you're here. <laughs> we're not there yet. <laughs> um, we're, get, we're getting there, but it's still people are leery. So you need to invite. Doesn't need to be a big group. Invite each other into your homes. Start there. And then start inviting neighbors. Invite friends. Invite coworkers. I actually have been learning what it means to start asking people to be my friend again. And it is awkward. I actually had to tell someone I was having this conversation. I was like, all right, I, it, this is going to sound so awkward, but I, I'm not good at making friends anymore. I'm having to relearn how to do it. It's almost like you got to go to the children's section of a bookstore to pick up the book about how to make a friend. You know, <laughs> that's how bad it is. And I, it's not just me. I've seen it all over. Why is this important, guys? Because we have been given the stewardship of people. We've been given the stewardship to walk people into a relationship, not just with Christ, but with one another. When you want to build a church, it's not just believe the gospel. It is participate in the gospel and in the life of other people. All right? So that is what it means to steward God's gifts. 
Just two, I, I got two more points here on the end is near, steward God's grace. So once we're together, that fell again. Um, once we're together, what do we do? You know what I'm saying? How many of you do this? Um, you get together, um, nobody's really made a plan, and then you say, what do you want to do? I, I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? What, if you ever want to see Chris hit, go from one to 80, do that. It's amazing. <laughs> Invite, <laughs> Invite him to your house, you'd be like, what do you want to do? You, you didn't figure that one out? No, I, I was leaving it up to you. <laughs> Uh, type A's, you have to love them. You can mess with them so much. Uh, <laughs> but on the converse side, force a type B to make a decision. You'll see a meltdown happen there too. <laughs> um, use the favor God has given you. Do you all know what grace is? Grace and mercy tend to get mixed up in their, uh, their definitions. They are two different things, though. Grace, getting God's favor when you don't deserve it, okay? You're getting something from God you don't deserve, and it's something good. Mercy, not getting what you should have gotten, all right, which is usually negative. So you should have got a butt whooping, but instead you got ice cream, that's mercy and grace, okay? So when we talk about this idea of looking at verses 10 and 11, um, excuse me, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Why does he say it that way? Because he's saying God is given favor in one main way through salvation, but then he's given favor in multiple different ways when he's doling out abilities, when he's doling out talents, when he's doling out jobs, okay? So God's varied grace means that Maggie and I don't have the same abilities, but that our abilities, they connect with one another so that when we are put into a purpose, such as we are going to invite people over to have dinner, our abilities work together, all right? So it means I do not connect with people in the same way Maggie does, nor does she connect in the same way that I do, and neither of us connects in the same way that Ken does. I'll let you decide which Ken I'm talking about, all right? <laughs> but that's good. Why? Because God did not give one person all of the gifts, meaning his grace interconnects with each person. So Theo and I can connect not just because we like similar things, but because the Holy Spirit's in us and he has done something for us, all right? Your abilities interconnect with everybody else's abilities. No Lone Ranger Christians, you're meant to be together. Meaning, when somebody says, well, I can worship God better in uh, wherever. I can worship God better in the forest. No, no, you can't. You're not going to experience him fully unless you experience him with other believers. 
So unless you're in that forest with 10 other people, not true. Okay? Why? Because we all have to connect. You ever see the way ants work? Do you know one ant can't pass the other one without stopping to connect with it and keep going to the next? Watch them sometimes. I know some of that creeps some of you out, but um, you can watch them from afar. It's okay. Just be careful with your magnifier because you might burn them. Uh, but when ants are coming through, they connect with one another with their antenna. They touch each other, and then they go to the next one, and they touch each other, and they go to the next one, and they touch each other. Why? Because they're communicating. They're connecting. God meant for all of us to connect. Use his varied grace to connect with people, not to shelter yourself. Just as Chris was just talking about with the the Jordan River into the Sea of Galilee, into the Jordan River, into the Dead Sea. Which part of that are you going to be? Are you going to be the person who's an outlet, who connects? Or are you going to be the person who's the dead end? Because Christ didn't call you to be a dead end. He didn't call you to die. He called you to live. And he called you to spread that life to others. So use your equipping. Some of you are servants. Serve. Some of you are talkers. Talk. Some of you are mercy people or feelers. Feel. Some of you are generous. Give. Some of you are leaders, so lead. Do it, though, in God's power, not yours. Do it in God's timing, God's purpose. So everything you're going to do is connected back to Christ. Everything this church is going to do is connected back to Christ. It has to be in him. Otherwise, we're just a club. And if we're just a club, let's go get brunch. All right? I don't want to be a club. We have a purpose that God has given us, so let's use it. All for his glory. So here's the last part. Worship God through your stewardship. In other words, proclaim his glory. Use it, all, everybody in here, everybody, not just him, not just me, not just some of the other talkers, okay? We got some talkers in here, it's okay, you know? You feelers, you need to use that for the glory of God and use it to proclaim him. You mercy people, wait, that's the feelers, never mind. You servers, serve to the glory of God. How are we going to do this? Prioritize prayer. We bring it back to where he started. Prioritize prayer. Participate in loving relationships. Practice genuine hospitality. And prepare for Christ's return through using your equipping for his glory. Sounds simple, 
and yet we'll find a way to muck it up, all right? But that's where we come back to. We do this with understanding and forgiveness. This is all for his glory and his honor. But guys, he also wants us to enjoy it too. And if you don't enjoy it, you probably won't do it. So pull together and realize this church is far from dead. It's very much alive. He's just pivoting you. And he's got good stuff ahead. So let's jump in and join. Father, thank you so much for your people. Thank you for the grace you've given us. Father, we are thick-headed. We are stubborn. And quite frankly... We will cut off our nose despite our face. And yet, you have called us to something better. Something beautiful. Father, we ask that you would lead us in, in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. That we would understand where you have us going, what you have us doing, and help us to be a people who are not just called to do your will, but who desire to do your will. Father, help us to want to want to follow you and to be your people and to see something really magical and fantastic happen in this end of Paso Robles. And Father, we, we pray that it would spread into the other areas and also across the world. Thank you so much in Christ's name. Amen.